Charles Spurgeon was a man that God used, and millions are still being impacted by his kingdom work. As we examine his life and ministry, we hope to strengthen today's church and bring glory to Christ. My name is Joel Littlefield, lead pastor of New City Church in Bath, Maine, and I'm joined by my brother in Christ, Josh Whitney. Welcome to the Spurgeon Maniacs podcast. good how about you let's talk let's talk about us for how long this is going to be a special podcast for you guys where we just get to talk about us the things we like the things we dislike yeah well it's i feel a little rusty it's been a while it's been so we because we've been pretty good at keeping up with it but we actually haven't sat down to record for what three weeks it's been three weeks man yeah but there's been a lot going on there's been a lot. No, yeah. I mean, not to make excuses or anything, but that is a pretty good excuse. We're both in ministry. Both have yep. wives. Yep. Both have jobs. Both have we're, jobs. We're doing, we're doing real stuff for the world. I mean, we're changing yeah. the world. Yeah. The world is changing. The world is changing. And it has to be because, because of, of us. <laughs> there are roughly about 50 to 75 people that download this podcast every week. And uh, it's those people. I think we can see the, I think we can see the impact. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, part of what we're going to talk about today is because of the yeah. traveling a little bit. So I traveled down with um, another one of our elders, Isaac. Yeah, I forgot his name for a second. And, and I forgot <laughs> Look, his... Is this intentional or are you trying his, to keep him... his title, his importance. Isaac, you are very important to me. Isn't he just the youth pastor? That's oh, what it is, man. Right? Yeah. The, like the understudy. It's a stepping stone. To the stone senior pastor. To the real thing. Right. Yeah. Like no. someday he'll be a real pastor. Right? Yeah. We don't... <laughs> yeah. For the record, we don't see it that way. Mm. In fact, it was fun. It was fun at the nine marks at nine. Uh, he actually brought that up about... Uh, Isaac or... De- no, no. De- yeah. De- Isaac. Um, Dever. Mr. Dever, they call me... Just the youth pastor at my church. Is that right? Can According you make to them Nine Marks. Respect me. No. No, but no, Dever just brought that up in, That's in cool. some of his conversations about what is eldership. Anyway, so I was down in New Orleans at yeah. the SBC, the the um, annual meeting and the convention started off with a pastor's conference and there was some big stuff being talked about though. So I thought it was good to to get down there and be able to let my voice be heard through a ballot vote. And I did Tackle Rick Warren. Um, it went okay. He was wearing shoulder pads and a helmet because somebody somebody leaked it. Somebody told him that I was coming. I don't know. Was it you? That would I would never, I would do something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. So we want to we want to talk about the this gives a I guess a good opportunity. We're not going to really do it justice because it's a big issue. But we're going to try to combine this with a little bit of talk on the down, downgrade controversy that. Uh, Spurgeon went through mm-hmm. and was um, most likely, a lot of people say, was the cause of most of his anxiety and eventually the cause of um, an early death. Mm. You know, Spurgeon w- yeah. was not that old when he when he passed. Hey, today's his birthday. Today's his birthday. That is very cool. Well, so when you're listening to this, it'll be yesterday. Yeah. So yesterday was his birthday. Just know that we're celebrating. We that. are celebrating. We have nothing in front of us to celebrate with. We didn't yeah. even make him a cake. Nope. Reptunes did a little. That was so funny. Yeah. Did you see the per? I, I'm so. In case they're listening, 
I think there's not a lot of people. So that is totally coming through, by the way. Oh, it is. Oh my gosh, so much. You want to hear I my drumming skills? Hear hey, Ed Romine. Syncopation. <laughs> I have not been practicing. Oh man. Um, no, there's a guy. So I, I put that into the Spurgeon private page, and then someone someone resp- put a comment down below. Happy birthday. I'm like, I don't. Yeah. I don't think he can hear. I don't. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. Yeah. When I posted about it, I I said something about that. Yeah. Happy birthday, but I don't think he cares. What right. do you think? Do you think? Do you he think cares? he still really cares mm. about the day of his? earthly birth uh I, I, I don't i don't even think he rem, i don't know yes yeah, no let's the move on short answer is no <laughs> let's move on downgrade controversy <laughs> and the sbc so all right let's um let me just we'll kind of frame it like this yeah to um, someone who might not know yeah so <laughs> some yeah. other person yeah so summarize. this was uh so spurgeon was a baptist um involved in the the baptist union um at the time there was also uh the state sanctioned uh, Church of England, um, and there were people who were nonconformists, and Spurgeon and all these other Baptists were nonconformists. But what ended up happening after uh, years of Spurgeon's involvement with the Baptist Union, um, there was compromise in a lot of different areas Mm. uh, that he really did tolerate for quite a while. And then it sort of came to a head all in one in one moment, and, and Spurgeon ended up addressing it, um, and then departing from the Baptist Union. And really, uh, we'll, so eventually we will do another episode on this. But w- the purpose of this is to compare it with what's happening now yeah. in our convention, and a desire to disembark, to detach from some important. Um, understandings of scripture and orthodoxy. So basically the down, down downgrade controversy controversy I'm having a hard time with that word. The yeah, downgrade controversy comes down to four issues primarily. It was the denial of the infallibility of scripture, the denial of the necessity and substitutionary nature of Christ's atonement, the denial of the existence and eternality of hell. And the affirmation of universalism. All right, so these things were these were the compromises, um, and so I think if we were to agree on uh, anything as Baptists, as Baptists would generally say that Scripture is infallible, and that we were we're going to submit ourselves to the rule of Scripture. And so what was happening at the SBC, if you guys aren't familiar, if you're not part of the Southern Baptist Convention, um, Rick Warren was there. Um, and last, last February, the executive committee, which is a, uh, a leadership board within the convention, um, made a decision to disfellowship Rick Warren, as well as a pastor from a church called Fern Creek, um, who was pastored for over 30 years by a female pastor. Um, and then, so both of them were disfellowshipped were considered not in friendly cooperation with the SBC. And then there was a third one that remained disfellowshipped as well, but that was over an issue, an issue of, um, of a sexual abuse case. Um, so certainly not in the same category. That was not about scripture and fallibility, but it was some more just logistical stuff that just wasn't being hand, handled well. Um, so praise God that 
the, though he did, though Rick Warren on the floor made a case, um, tried to make a case for the fact that we were un, that the SBC is undermining and uh, trying to diminish the role of women in ministry, and in fact, saying something things as as blatant as um, basically we're trying to keep women for, women from fulfilling the Great Commission. Yes, by allowing by not allowing them to be pastors. Yeah, and then. Amazingly, um, and I think the perfect guy for it, Al Mohler stepped in and spoke from the floor in opposition to their uh, appeals to the rulings and spoke just an amazing word of clarity, appealing to the infallibility of Scripture and that by compromising on these issues of women in leadership, that we would be, uh, the real issue is that it's an authority of Scripture um, issue. And it doesn't matter what culture wants to do or feels is best, but that we need to uh, submit and surrender to scripture's infallibility. So I think there's some similarities there. Mm-hmm. Um, the ruling was, I can't remember, about 10 to 1, mm-hmm. about eight little upwards of 8,000 people voted against Rick Warren and Fern Creek, and uh, 1,000 or so voted in favor of them coming back into fellowship. Didn't happen. Praise God. It was uh, a good, momentous day. Yeah. Yeah. For truth. Yeah. Except so, yeah. So there's some, um, I would say some similarities with what's going on. I think one thing we can talk about in this podcast is just say, you know, how important is, is it? Maybe what are some of the issues that if we were to, uh, what, what happens when you, when you reject, what happens to the church and what happens to the culture when you begin to reject that scripture is the final infallible word and mm-hmm. that we're going to submit ourselves to it? What do you, what do you, what do you think, man? What are some things that happen, um, I guess, corporately as a church and then maybe even individually, we can kind of talk about that for people that are listening. Oh, I think immediately you start downgrading the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Downgrade controversy. (laughs) No, but it's true. Uh, you, you immediately just, you now are in control of truth Mm -hmm. when you start. Start saying these things are out of date. These things are meant differently. These things, you know, we we need to let go of if we want to start winning others. Um, I mean, that's the whole. It's it's where the vagueness and the the compromise starts coming into play when you look at people also like Andy Stanley rejecting. Yeah you know, the, the majority of what is written in God's word, right. um, because we want to start winning people. Well, if you're going to start eliminating to start winning people, you're mm-hmm. not winning anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. You, who, who is it that said this? You, you keep people with what you win them with. Mm. I cannot remember who said yeah, that. If you win them with that, that's yeah. So if you win yeah. them with, uh, attractionalism or, yeah. uh, good events, well, you better keep that's, those. Yeah. Up. That's what, that's what you're going to keep them with because you're not winning them to truth. Yeah. You're winning to them. You're winning them with what they want. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thought or it's an interesting thing that was said in American gospel to Tony Campola. It's, it's how the whole documentary came to its ultimate point is he said, when he started talking about the changes, the changes, you know, making my, you know, making God this way, making the scripture read this way. Mm. He said, what I ended up realizing is that the God that I was worshiping was the God that I made. Mm-hmm. And I liked that God. I liked him a lot. He was just like me. Yep. 
And that is the ultimate end when we place ourselves and culture in front of God's word. That's right. I loved what Mike Winger said in his, he's got a series on women in leadership and it's a wonderful series, like, like tens of hours, 30, 40 something hours worth of video content on the matter. But there's this great thing he said. It's like, it's the, the Bible demands what it is. Mm. If the scriptures said that only Jewish men could lead as pastors, that would be it. Mm-hmm. That, that would be it. There's no, there's no other, you know, that would be the standard of which we allow people to be elders in the church. Mm-hmm. And so we, we just have to understand it's not, it's not anyone's value or anyone's um, worth, but it's, it's how God designed these things to be. That's right. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So Spurgeon, um, I think that, um, I think he would be on our side today if he was in this issue. I think he would be saying, um, and rightfully so, that uh, we need to stand on scripture. And even though the entire culture, well, a majority, a large majority of Christian culture, and even some in the SBC are saying, no, women should be able to be in, in uh, they should be able to be pastors. They should be able to have their title if they're if they're a kids ministry director, they should be able to be called kids pastor. Why not? Because it's just a title, mm. and maybe they can't be the lead pastor, but they're still functioning as a shepherd. I think that he would see that and say it's a compromise to orthodoxy, Christian mm-hmm. orthodoxy, what the church has held to, mm-hmm. and so I'm happy in that because he did have women position. teachers. Yeah. Didn't he? Like Sunday school uh, teachers? Oh, Sunday school teachers, yeah. He didn't call Women them teaching. children's pastors. No, he did not call them children's pastors. And so what? why is that a problem? Because scripture is clear. Yeah. Very clear of what a pastor is yeah. and what Christians are commanded to do as followers of Christ. That's right. We're called to be disciple makers as Christians. We're called to be teachers. We're called to um, be proclaimers, ambassadors, all of these things. Yeah. Only a... Only a certain group of people are called to be pastors. That's right. Only a certain group of people are called to be husbands, are called to be wives, and are given specific roles for each of those. Yeah. That's also another thing that that culture and people inside the church want to start throwing away. But but God has called certain people for these certain things. Not everybody gets to do everything. That's right. Yeah. So for, uh, Timothy and Titus, um, all all those places that you'd go to to look at the role of elder. Every time Peter mentions elder, every time Paul talks to the elders, it's the context is men who are shepherding and who are called and who are qualified. Uh, and it's not a diminishing of women because women are also given uh, a, a great place of teaching. So check this out. I have to share this. So at the nine marks at nine, um, they were addressing a lot of these things as they were happening at the, in the panel and they were addressing stuff that was going on in the SBC. And so, um, Mark Dever had everybody stand up that was, uh, so it was a, cr- a room of about a thousand people. And he said, if you were saved under 11 years old, stand up. So I don't know, 900 people stood up out of a thousand. And then he said, all right, sit down. If your mom had nothing to do with it, hmm. like two people sat down Hmm. And so the idea that the only way women can be effective in the Great Commission is if you let them be pastors is absolutely bogus. And insulting. It's, yeah, to say that the, a woman's role, even even to disciple and lead their mm-hmm. children to Christ, mm-hmm. the fact that a room of a thousand people, 900 of them came to f- Christ because of 
God's work through their mom. Mm. And then to say, no, the only way I can be effective in the Great Commission is if I get to teach from the pulpit on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. or be given the title pastor. Yeah. That's that's diminishing and demeaning. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you so that's the attack, right? You're diminishing women's worth by not allowing them to be pastors. Right. But if we, but but why do we have to be on the defense and say, uh uh no, nuh uh, nuh uh. Yeah. We, I think we should take an offense, an offensive approach, an offensive, not offensive, offensive approach to that and be like, no, you're diminishing women's value by telling them they're only impactful in the kingdom if they are able to serve as pastors. You're the one diminishing their value, and, yeah. not me. And not only that, but you're diminishing them by leading them to disregard the clear teaching of scripture yeah. and to see its authority as something that you can just compromise and make it mean mm. whatever you want. Yeah. So scripture that comes to mind, I know we're kind of reversing our roles here a little bit, but this is more of <laughs> Don't a take conversation. My this is the only thing I have. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> Sorry. but we can just talk about it. So yeah, I think yeah, about yeah, yeah, second yeah. Timothy four, two preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound teaching, but after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Mm. Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's extremely relevant yeah. to this. Because when I when I sat in the massive convention hall and there was a little bit of anger and uproar, especially listening to the lady of Fern Creek, um, mm. who I would not say that she's a pastor. Um, she was ang- she had uh, she had some anger. And she, in order to uphold her position, she slandered Calvinists and those people who um, who closed their churches during COVID. She was like reaching, it seemed like reaching and grabbing for things to try to make them equal with not allowing a woman to be pastor. Like, I tolerated your differences with us, you you extreme Calvinists and all you people who shut your churches down during COVID. I tolerated that. Why won't you let me be a female pastor? That's the exact, that's what it was. Oh, I missed that. Wow. Oh, it was intense. And then, and the room started to kind of rumble a little bit. Oh, you know, it was, oh. it was crazy. It was, that was kind of bold move. Yeah. But what's the difference? Tolerating a, a Calvinist mm-hmm. as opposed to tolerating uh, a woman who is calling what's the what, what why is that different or is mm. it am i shooting myself in the foot here no my i don't think my, i am mm, is thinking about just conversations i've had with people who vehemently oppose calvinism yeah like so thinking like them they they would i think i think they would think that is the same thing but one is a soteriological view of how you believe scriptures to be revealed. Yeah. One is saying that's not actually right today. Right. So, so one says when we take scripture of the whole, this is the direction it points. Mm-hmm. Your says this text right here doesn't affect me. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. That's totally that. different. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think that's good. I, I would imagine that she's, uh, she's, she was trying to say something like when she said extreme Calvinists, who knows what she means by that? It could even just be somebody who believes yeah. that God predestines people for salvation. Yeah. You know, because you have quite a scale of, of, uh, 
some people would yeah. put just just the fa- just the bare fact of like five points as extreme Calvinism. Extreme Calvinism, yeah. So, and and then there are extreme Calvinists. Yeah, there are frozen chosen Calvinists out there and everything like that. So, so Alex DePrima in an article he wrote, he wrote, he said this that um, in light of so as after looking at this, these are some observations that he that he made. He makes three observations. So Alex, Alex, thank you for writing this article. We're pulling some stuff from you for this. Mm. Um, he said number one, the downgrade controversy was about doctrinal matters that went to the very heart of Christian orthodoxy. Spurgeon would allow only such matters to become the grounds for separation and schism between him and his denomination. So that's that was sort of his line. Like these matters that went to the heart of Christian orthodoxy, those are the ones that he'd be willing to depart, where mm-hmm. he would part ways from the Baptist Union. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there are issues that are worth dividing over. Don't you think? I was, that was going to be my question to you. Boom. So I'm going to ask the question this time since we're switching roles. Go ahead. Is... is dissension and division biblical yeah i think i think it is there there are places that say don't be divisive yeah and people some people who inherit hell are those who cause dissension yeah so is that that, allowed yeah well i think divisiveness at an individual level for the sake of uh dividing for the sake of divisiveness and not for the sake of furtherance of the kingdom and furtherance of the gospel or clarity of doctrine. Yeah. So when the effort is to clarify what the Bible is saying, and in that effort to clarify it, two people end up on different sides of that. Mm. And you can acknowledge that if, if it's a second tier issue, now there should be division on, on things that are matters of the gospel, yeah. first tier issues. Yeah. But on second tier issues, there can be division and uh, even a parting of ways like we see in the scriptures with, with Paul mm. and with Barnabas, right? Yeah. We see that. Um, but the purpose was for, is for gospel clarity. And so the SBC, rightfully so, is, is seeking to clarify what is a pastor. Yeah. And in the effort to do that, you're discovering, well, there's people that actually think they, they can be a pastor. And there was no sense in which they said, well, those people, they're not Christians anymore. They just said, hey, you probably shouldn't be a part of our denomination since you're not in agreement with our statement of faith. And then when they're like, right. well, well, that's not what our statement of faith says. We're like, well, actually, no, it is what our statement of faith says. And to clarify what pastor means, actually, historically, I don't know if you caught this, if you read anything about it, but... In, in 25 years, a statement of faith has never been amended from the floor of the convention. They actually amended the, the Baptist faith and message from the floor. They called oh, for that. a motion to amend it, and now the word pastor has been... Now what's included in that is, is pastor slash overseer slash bishop only for qualified men. Basically. <laughs> they, 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 I did know that they made that amendment, but I didn't realize that it's, that hasn't really happened... In in a while, yeah, and there were, and actually, some of them were like, "Why was that so easy to change our our statement of faith?" That so that they're actually like considering other things now. Like that that process should have been harder. We probably should be able to do it in one meeting because <laughs> yeah. of what someone says. So it was interesting, but there were, I mean, it was it was still great. Um, but so yeah, yeah, I think that I think it is biblical. Yeah. Um, I think there's a difference between div- divisiveness yeah. and dividing for the sake of clarity and mission. Mm, yep. Yeah. So. so that then, I think we probably put the cart in front of the horse on this one. Mm. So 
we've been talking about like what the Bible says and everything, but there has, and then we also said earlier that, that when we get rid of scripture as the final authority, Mm -hmm. um, so we also need to make a case or there, you need to be able to make a case that we should rely on scripture, right? Um, that, that can't just be something that we like because it favors us and be like, well, Hey guys, you know, I'm a guy. I like that only pastors are guys. So this one area really needs to be stood up on, but we're, we're, it's going to be, it's going to be harder to preach, uh, like what you just preached on. It's going to be harder Mm -hmm. to preach on divorce. So really I think that what we need to understand here is grace. And that's Mm -hmm. really what we need to understand. So it's not only sola scriptura. Right. But tota scriptura. Tota scriptura. I and like it. So here are that's a James. I don't know if that's a if that's if everybody goes that, but that's something I get from James White. So here is the defense then for sola and tota script scriptura. Mm-hmm. So we went over this because it's been awesome going through Matthew, but five seventeen. Mm. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Which is a greater point because my whole life, uh, did you grow up this way? We're so glad, like when we see the Beatitudes and we see Jesus doing this, he takes the law and then he raises it a notch. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not changing anything, but mm-hmm. just pointing backwards. So to think that Jesus came to be the better version of the law so that we don't have to follow that silly old ways of the Old Testament, but... But he came to strengthen, strengthen that. Um, so that's Matthew five seventeen, John seventeen. In his high priestly prayer, he says that just it's just a small, just a small phrase. But sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's that is our baseline. Mm-hmm. So not only did Jesus not come to get rid of the old way and bring in a new way, but the only truth we have is that old way mm-hmm. mixed in with not mixed in, but continued on in this new way. Yeah. And that new way is Hebrews one long ago. I love, I love reading. I love, I could just read the beginning of Hebrews one That's over amazing. and over and over yeah. and over long ago at many times. And in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, yeah. but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, mm-hmm. whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Mm-hmm. So That's it's good, not man. only the Old Testament, but the reason Jesus then continues is because God now speaks through his revealed son yeah. to us. Yeah. And he is, so not only is he that revealed, revealing the world, the word, but he is the word. Yeah. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word mm. and the word was with God and the word was God. So we, to, to say like, we need to start breaking apart from this, from this part of scripture. This is hard to explain. So let's not focus on that, but let's just focus on not even saying the Bible, but just saying like, God says this. And it's like, it, it, it is to divide the son. In a way, I don't know if that's mm. if if you understand what I'm trying to get or if that sounds weird, but I understand that God is more than our English translation of the Bible. But but Jesus is the Word. Yep, 
And so if he is the revealed word, like John 17, Hebrews 1, all these places, to try and split it all up is to try and divide who God is. Yeah. Saying like, well, this is one part that we don't follow. This is the new part. That's the better part. It's, it is the revealed word of God that we follow. Mm. And so if, here's my question then. Um, if, if then, I don't know. Do we have any, I guess, do we have any other leg to stand on? Like, do we have anything else if that's the case? <laughs> uh, what's the question? Yeah, that's a good, no, that's fair. That's fair. What's the question? <laughs> that's, fair. that's fair. I'll give it a second shot. Hold on. I'm just going to think about it for 20 minutes. Yeah. No. So if, if that is, if this is everything that we just saw, if, if the word of God is revealed and it's never been changed and then the sun came to reveal more of who God is and being the word incarnate himself. What else do we have to stand on that is, that is greater or different than that? Hmm. Than the revealed word. No, Was that better? Nothing. It's a, it's a layup. Qu- it's not a real question. Nothing. <laughs> it's, it's no a rhetorical question. Yeah, but. no, but you're right. And, uh, but we live in a world of compromise. We live in an age where truth is not valued, where God's word is not even considered truth and where people in the word in the, in the church are now compromising, um, Sometimes even as much, you can't tell, you can't tell who a Christian is. It's, it's happening on the matters of, uh, gender It's happening on the matters, matters of LGBT and women in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, everything, you name it. There are people in the church that are just, they're, they're compromising and saying, um, well, and, and they don't read their Bibles. Mm-hmm. Like, so we can say, yeah, this is, this is what else is there, but people aren't standing on it. No. That's the problem. Yeah. They're not standing on it and they have replaced scripture with tradition. And yeah. it's it's exactly where we were um in times of reformation, um which is why I think we could say we we need we need a reformation. Here's a here's a question that we could we can just sort of uh swing back to. So women in ministry was the issue of the SBC and women as pastors. That's clearly a that's not a salvation issue. Mm-hmm. So why is this so important and would Spurgeon really have and should we, um, would, would this even qualify as a similar thing as the downgrade controversy? Because remember the, the thing, the things that were listed, um, were the denial of the infallibility of script, infallibility of scripture, the, de- the denial of the necessity of substitutionary atonement. That's big. The denial of the existence and eternality of hell. That was a topic of the downgrade. And then the, uh, the affirmation of universalism that was being affirmed of the universal salvation. These are clearly not issues like women in ministry. So can we even say, let's just be fair. And maybe, maybe the answer is yes, but do you think this qualifies what we're going through right now? What's happening with the, the church today in the, specifically the SPC? Yeah. So it's, it's harder to fight all those battles on one front. But you definitely at least have the first one. The infallibility of scripture. That's, that's, it, it might not be someone standing up going, hey guys, are we even able, even able to trust the word of God? They might not be saying that, yep. but they are. Yeah. And then, so to answer your question about non-salvific issues is they eventually start pointing to those. Yeah. So... Can you be, can, can you be saved and be a drunkard? Um, yeah, 
But if you reject God's word long enough and you never, ever, ever change and you continually move in a direction opposed from God, mm-hmm. it's going to be very hard to to say that you have God's spirit in you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. So does that mean if someone claims to be a Christian, they die uh, a pastor that is a woman? Uh, do are they dying without God's spirit in them? Um, that's not my. I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't believe so. I, yeah. But I do. I mean, I, I I don't know. That there would have to be some other issues there. It's not. It's not the female. The female pastor is not a. It's not the sin that keeps the you away sin from that keeps, God. Right, but I mean, well, I think what we're saying is that it's the beginning. It's the beginning. Th- that compromise. What's what comes next? And you cannot deny that many of the churches that begin with a uh, a compromise on the infallibility of Scripture end up affirming every everything else, not just affirming women pastors, but mm-hmm. affirming homosexuality mm-hmm. and affirming gay pastors uh, mm-hmm. and becoming completely in line with the liberal movement. And it mm-hmm. starts it starts somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I think that is a, it is a legitimate danger um, where that's going. So I'm I'm just even more glad. But what is the fallout and what's the fight? The the uphill battle is to be, I think, local churches that continue to preach the word and stand on the the inerrancy of scripture and preach it with all of our hearts and do it expositorily so we're not missing anything. Um, what do you think some other safeguards are? How do we how do we protect ourselves from being a, a compromising um yeah, sort of down. Uh, yeah, the downgrade. Yep, expositional preaching, uh, intentional discipleship, hmm. disciple making. Second um, Timothy, a uh, Second Peter. I don't know why I said that. Second Ti- Second Peter, one. Hmm. Um, that is a that is a great. So it, it talks specifically about that, and I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Um, are you looking it up? I got it. Second yeah. Peter one. Second Peter yeah. one. His divine power. Yep. So the sub the the subheading of confirm your election. Mm. Um, it is a list of things. So we don't even need to read it all. But it so Second Peter one. You guys go there and read it. Um, it is a a wonderful section of what it means to to be able to know of, of your salvation. And it is a, a list of characteristics and it ends that section ends with, and if you continually grow in these things, you will have no need to question your election. Mm-hmm. Um, so ob- obedience doesn't save you. Obedience doesn't keep you saved, but obedience gives you a assured assurance in who, your salvation in the fact that God has his, has you. Mm. It, it, so it is, it is a gift. Obedience is a gift to us that we don't sit in wondering, does God still love me? Mm. Uh, obedience is our, is, is a gift given to us to understand what it means to walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's good, man. Um, what think, would you add? Uh, Cause I only gave three. Um, about how to protect ourselves from yeah. it. Yeah. No, I think, I think you were right. I think, I don't know if I would add, I mean, I'm sure there's things that could be added, but no, I think that's right. I think, and just a, a love for Christ and his word that supersedes, 
um, the love of self or comfort or the desire to be loved by other people and yeah. uh, to be approved by other people that we have God's approval. And so Christians that, um, compromise God's word are generally, um, there's a self-seeking, um, a self-seeking attitude that wants to be, wants to be liked and loved. So mm-hmm. compromise and be like the world and conform. The scripture says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Mm-hmm. Conformity to the world is not, um, it's not the way. Um, but Spurgeon was humble about it. I think uh, one thing that uh, DePrima and others that, that have studied this, um, they see that it wasn't he wasn't looking to divide on second-tier issues. Yeah. In fact, he continued to associate with people who were Arminian. He was a Calvinist, and he associated with and worked with Arminians. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but there was and all sorts of other second-tier issues that he would um, be willing to work with other people on. But it was, again, it was issues of orthodox... Um, first tier issues that became matters of concern to him. And, um, yeah. And so I think we can just kind of follow his thinking in that and the scriptures understanding of that and be bold, faithful proclaimers of the gospel. Cause we mm-hmm. live in an age where you're going to be, you're going to be challenged to compromise on something. Um, yep. and so, yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Yeah. And and seek seek the Lord, be in His Word, know the Scriptures. Otherwise, you won't even know what what compromise is, or when somebody else is compromising. Uh, know what the Word of God says and what it teaches, and that'll be the straight stick to compare to all the crooked sticks that are kind of encroaching around the church. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because there's pressure, and there's going to be immense more pressure to to change, not change everything but to change a couple of things so that people don't see you as hateful, to see you as bigot, to see you as uh, a cult. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's not worth it. It's not worth to get the applause of men. That's right. If you, uh, if you, if you lose the kingdom, mm-hmm. what will it profit a man that he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Mm-hmm. The whole world is a lot. That's right. <laughs> the whole right. world is a lot and it's there waiting for you. If you, uh, the world that is, the world is waiting for you. If you just deny, if you deny it all or start denying just a little bit, not a lot, just a couple of things. And then eventually the world will give you themselves, which is empty, uh, dark, deceitful, full of lies. Mm-hmm. Amen, man. All right. So this is uh, be a good way to end it. <clears throat> I'm going to read this quote from the article that was written in 1887 and it goes like this a new religion has been initiated which is no more christianity than chalk is cheese <laughs> and and this religion being destitute of moral honesty palms itself off as the old faith with slight improvements and on this plea usurps pulpits which were erected for gospel preaching the atonement is scouted, the inspiration of scripture is denied, the Holy Spirit is degraded into an influence, the punishment of sin has turned into fiction, and the resurrection into a myth. And yet these enemies of our faith expect us to call them brethren and maintain a confederacy with them. Mm. So I think if we're honest, I don't think that I would say that to those currently that are proponents of women with the title of pastor. 
I don't think I could say that, but I think we could at least say we should be warned. Mm -hmm. The era seems to be leaning in that direction of compromise. And I pray that it does not go that far, but there are certainly people that we would be, I think, right to say that too. And I think we just need discernment. Mm. We need discernment. And so, yeah, that's it, man. That's all I got. You got anything else? No, I just thought of uh, the text in Jeremiah that you had shared on Sunday about Mm. those ancient paths. Remember the ancient paths. Yeah, Yeah, man. Don't, don't, there's not, and then Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new. There's nothing that the world is or culture is going to start granting you that God has not promised you and will actually be able to fulfill. Uh, We need to stop letting culture influence our church, and we need to start letting our churches influence culture. Boom. That's tweetable. That's tweetable. I'm pretty (laughs) sure I've stolen that before. I don't know who has said it, but I've always held on to that. Probably Vody. I think Vody has said that. I'll leave it to him. Jeremiah 6.16. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. I don't know Ooh. why. Because I just, I just liked what it looked like. Stop, it says, stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. Mm. Ugh. Good stuff, man. Uh, that's where we are. Now let's read it in an actual translation. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sponsored by ESV. <laughs> the real Bible. <laughs> All right, man. Close us out, brother. All right. So you guys know we got the public page on Facebook, Spurgeon Maniacs. We've got the private page where that's where you guys can interact with us. You guys can share and you can uh, post all the awesome Spurgeon Maniac stuff you want. We're on Instagram, Twitter. But as always, please email us. We love, we would love to get those emails from you on your questions, your concerns, your recommendations, your topic ideas. Info at SpurgeonManiacs.com. Send us your emails. We love those five-star reviews because that's how we grow reach. That's how people get to hear us more. And then we're also on Patreon. That's where you guys can join us and come alongside us as what we're doing with what we're doing. And we can start doing more. We can start getting more merch. We can start reaching, influencing, but it all starts with your partnership. So those are the ways you guys can get in touch with us. We very much look forward to the next episode that we get to share with you. But until then. Yeah. See you next time.